0: Welcome to the Fantastic Magic Center. I'm Kent Cummins, and I'm going to share the real secrets of magic. What is the Austin Cabaret Theater? A-C-T. Act. Well, I mentioned it before when I talked about the sandwich shops. See last week's episode. And we ran the sandwich shops from 1971 through 1986, when I became a full-time professional magician. But after we had been running the sandwich shops for about 10 years, I remember that one of the employees, who was a dancer, uh, said, Kent, Kent, there's this wonderful opportunity, the Austin Melodrama Theatre is closing. The people are moving up north to somewhere in Oklahoma, I think, and uh, the theater's available. Well, I'm a magician, so I love theaters, and Margot and I had been to some shows at the Melodrama Theater. It was loads of fun. It was in the Village Shopping Center in North Austin. You threw popcorn at the villain, and went hiss, boo, and then yay for the hero. Very traditional melodramas, loads of fun, and in fact, the space was available. I was able to negotiate a lease. We decided that we were going to reopen it as a theater, but we didn't want to be stuck with just doing melodrama, and that's why we called it the Austin Cabaret Theater, because we wanted cabaret seating, meaning tables and chairs, instead of just an audience of rows of chairs. And one reason for that was, hey, we were in the sandwich business. We had three shops, I believe, at that point. So we decided to add the sandwich shop menu to the Austin Cabaret Theater. Sounds like a perfect plan. Our first show was Phantom of the Opera. I should probably tell you this is 1981. This was before the famous Phantom of the Opera that we all love the music of and so forth. It wasn't even a musical. It's just a little, probably Samuel French play, but it was the show we were going to start with. Oh, I shouldn't tell you about the first play. I should tell you about getting the theater set up, because the first thing I needed was a director. And so I found my friend Bill Jeske, who was a theater person. We hired him to run the Austin Cabaret Theater. And one of the first things he wanted to do was to repaint the floor in a Jackson Pollock fashion. And if you don't know what that means, Google it. But I didn't know what it meant to tell the truth at the time. But so we had to move everything, and clean the floors thoroughly and completely repaint them with multiple colors. Then we of course had to buy some wonderful chairs and tables. And, of course, we needed a beautiful red velvet curtain, a traveler. We got one of those from, a, I believe it was an old theater company in San Antonio. Of course, we bought a wonderful popcorn machine. I could probably do an entire podcast episode about popcorn. Uh, I don't know if I ever will, but uh, popcorn has been a huge part of my life. And it was, of course, a huge part of the melodrama theater. And so the fact that we were going to do some melodramas meant that we felt like we absolutely have to have popcorn. Plus, I think popcorn's a very good side for a nice sandwich. But I said we didn't just do melodramas. We opened with uh, Phantom of the Opera, which was a small theater production. We did everything from the crazy melodramas, like uh, Lily the Felon's Daughter, to the effect of gamma rays on man-in-the-moon marigolds, a fairly serious piece of drama. The sandwich shops were profitable at that time, so we were able to spend some money to really set it up nice. I remember it well. On the weekends we had children's carousel, A series of children's programs, the great Scott and Judy, Austin's dominant magicians of the time, were frequent guests there. Of course, I performed, the fantastic Kent Cummins. In fact, that's one of the biggest shows I've ever done for just two people. There was one Sunday where one mom brought her daughter to see the children's carousel show and they were the only ones who came she said, I understand, we'll just leave. And I said, no, I'm all set up. I might as well do a dress rehearsal, if nothing else. And since you two are here, I'll do the whole show for you. And I did, and they were appreciative, and it was fun, and it was the right thing to do. Children's Carousel was, of course, one of my favorite programs. But because I had a theater, it was also a great place for the Magic Club to meet, the International Brotherhood of Magicians, IBM, Ring 60. So we had lots of magic shows, including magic shows for the public. We had the world-famous Austin Magic Auction took advantage of the fact that I owned a theater. One of the things, on a personal note, that I remember from the theater is that was the time when I got a little skin cancer on my nose, a basal cell carcinoma. A plastic surgeon who loved magic happened to be the guy who was treating me, that was in 1981 and it's all fine uh, I've never had a recurrence or anything but he was treating it with a cream that turned my face purplish-black all around the nose and I had a TV interview and thank goodness they didn't have high-definition TV back then because as I recall I just covered my nose and middle of my face up with Clearasil and did the interview strange memories Another strange memory from the Austin Cabaret Theatre is the time we did Sweeney Todd. Our children came to see the show, because why wouldn't they? And our daughter still to this day claims she was traumatized by seeing the demon barber of Fleet Street. She won't eat meat pies to this day. Now, I mentioned the uh, Phantom of the Opera. Oh my gosh it was a bad production <laughs> it was embarrassing it was just terrible i'm not sure exactly what went wrong but it was not a good start after that we had a number of really good shows i thought we did a pretty good job with with most of our programs probably the most popular was count dracula my friend michael kahana who I met, by the way, I believe uh, he was involved with the Phantom of the Opera. But he was the director of Count Dracula, and of course I was able to do a little bit of magic to add to it. I wasn't in the show, but I helped with magic direction. It was a very popular show. We did it in October, so people are thinking Halloween and Count Dracula was just the perfect show. I'm still very, very proud of the theater in general and that show in particular. And Michael Kahana remains one of my good friends to this day, although uh, he has moved around the country from East Coast to West Coast. Nevertheless, I talk to him at least once a year when he calls me on my birthday. Michael's dad was a rabbi, and so he wanted anything in life except being a rabbi, and he decided to get into theater. And that's, of course, uh, where our paths connected and crossed, and where we remained friends for a while. I even visited him in New York City when he was working, I believe, for a theatrical lighting company, and we saw shows together. The irony of all this is that he did become a rabbi and married a cantor and has a lovely family and a lovely congregation, and when he calls me on my birthday, I'm proud to tell my friends, yes, my rabbi calls me on my birthday every year. No, I'm not Jewish. I just have a very good friend who's a rabbi. Somebody suggested that I should produce him from my giant top hat illusion, pulling a rabbi out of my hat. You never know what you're going to get when you listen to my podcast, Tales from the Fantastic Magic Center. And needless to say, we have posters from some of the shows that we did and programs. I've got an entire file box with information from every show that we did. It was really fun. Even the time that Bobby Cordell blew fire from in front of the curtain and singed our very expensive curtain. That's okay, Bobby. We're still friends. And some of the people that I met back then in 1981 are still friends today. Lisa Chernow, who was a very close friend of Michael's, uh, became my desktop publisher for a number of years, and some of the best advertising and marketing materials that I've ever produced were done by Lisa Chernow at write for You. That's W-R-I-T. A woman that is a good friend of mine in the National Speakers Association is someone that I met back in the Austin Cabaret Theatre days, although I had forgotten the connection I think she was maybe just out of high school or something, and she actually had a role in the effect of gamma rays on Man and the Moon Marigolds. And I was going through some of the old files and saw her name and couldn't believe it because I had no idea. And when I showed her the program, she says, Oh gosh, don't tell anybody. I don't want anybody to know I'm that old. Seriously? Who cares? Point is, a very talented young woman. What could be better than a magician who has his own theater? Yes, it was marvelous, a dream come true in so many ways. I was able to have a telephone interview with David Copperfield not too long ago when I was writing a column about magicians' theaters for The Linking Ring magazine. David's theater at the MGM Grand is a little grander, perhaps, than the Austin Cabaret Theater. We were actually able to share experiences because there is something different about having your own magic theater. And I learned things from Bill Jeske, our executive director. Funny, Bill decided to call himself Sam because of sam Witch, so he became Sam Jeske for the purposes of the theater. But I can remember one time when I was the master of ceremonies for a variety show, And I was ad-libbing and saying clever things, and the audience was with me, and it was really good. And when I finished, Bill Jeske, or Sam, came up to me and said, That was a very good job, Kent. You're an excellent MC." And I've puffed up my chest and said, Ah, thank you. I was very proud of the work I had done. He said, I do have one suggestion for you that would make it better. And I said, Oh, what's that? Script it! yes. It's okay to improvise, but you have to improvise from something. Jazz musicians don't just pick up horns and start playing at random. They decide what song they're going to play. They have a score, and then they move back and forth from that, and that creates jazz. To my way of thinking, Bill Jesky, a.k.a. Sam Jeske, helped me learn the importance of scripting the things that I'm going to do so that my ad-libs and off-the-cuff remarks can still have a good foundation. As I have said, I was very proud of the theater. It was a lot of fun. It allowed me to meet a lot of interesting people and work with them. It gave me a place to perform. There was just one small flaw. You must pay the rent. I can't pay the rent. That's right. It was in a shopping center, what they call a cluster shopping center, which I find a little ironic at the moment, but that's not the point. The point is it was not an enclosed mall. It was a very large space. I don't remember how many square feet now, but there were a lot of them. We had a very big backstage space behind the stage, not just backstage, but a scene shop and all of that. And even though every show that we did took in more money in ticket sales than in what we had to spend to put on the show, the overhead was thousands of dollars a month. And I don't know that we ever made our overhead, October maybe with Count Dracula, and we probably made a profit that month even paying overhead. But month after month went by, and we were getting farther and farther in the hole, and pretty soon it reached the point where The whole sandwich shop chain would be going out of business if we didn't somehow get out of our lease. And so, after about a year, the Austin Cabaret Theatre came to a close. I negotiated with the landlord, and they agreed that they would try and release the space and let me out of my lease once they got it released, and that I could pay off the back rent that I owed, probably several months by then. A little bit over time. With that obligation off of our shoulders we became profitable again and were able to pay off the debt over time. So I suppose there was a happy ending but there was no deus ex machina to save the theater and I discovered that some of my non-theater friends and even a theater cousin don't necessarily know what deus ex machina means In my understanding of it, Deus Ex Machina, God in Machine, I believe, is what it means. And in the very old early days of theater, they would write these elaborate plots and scenarios that could never be solved, and then a basket would come down from the flies with maybe a fairy or a wizard or something in it, or I suppose an angel, since it was God in machine they would wave their wand or make their mystic passes or whatever it was that they did and uh, bring the entire play to a conclusion, to a happy conclusion. Deus ex machina. But we didn't have that. What we had was a fun, entertaining, and uh, very expensive experience. But hey, for one magnificent year, I had my very own magic theater. I'm Kent Cummins. Join us next time for more tales from the Fantastic Magic Center. And if you'd like even more information, well, join us on our website, fantasticmagiccenter.com. Kent cannot preserve the secret legacy of magic without your support. Start today by going to fantasticmagiccenter.com and clicking the red Join our Patreon button.